Welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind. Your host, Jason Stallworth, and co-founder of Metal Mastermind and host. Ken Candelis. <laughs> Good What's to see up, you dude? again. <laughs> yes, man. We, we are back again. Yeah. We are just on a roll today, man. We uh we got a good one over here here for today. Uh this powerful, dude. Powerful. This this topic I feel very personally connected to. Uh I know you feel very personally connected to this as well, which is why Absolutely. I love talking with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be good for, for us and, and the audience as well. Um, by the way, just some transparency here. Ken and I, we recorded, you know, we, we pre-record these podcasts, but we recorded this back to back from another one from the last one, because we got to talking about this after we recorded our last session and we're like, okay, we we're so excited about it. So I just want to share that real quick. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. We decided to jump right into it, you know, for sure. And this like you said, it piggybacks off of what we were talking about last time, which was about mental toughness and, yeah. you know, what is sacred to you in, in life. And we wanted to continue this kind of conversation, but in a different way. And I wanted to talk about uh, mentors in our lives and what they've done to shape us into the people that we are. Now, Jason, last time you were talking about my age <laughs> yeah we talked about age dude well, i and talked about mine too i'm, I'm the old guy you're the young guy <laughs> yeah and uh but you know even though yes uh i'm 30 years old about to be 31 in march the mentality of my mind has always been that of an older individual i guess this was something you can call as being an old soul old soul yeah, yeah. exactly and i've always been intrigued by wisdom it's just something that i've grown to love and that was something i think uh you know actually going back to some of the conversations with my brother uh learning from from him was a big part of that but i also want to talk a little bit about another family member uh my father uh, who's been an extraordinary influence in my life uh, he's the one who taught me how to play drums and he's also the one who's really guided and shaped a lot of, uh, my path in, in life. And I want to start this off by talking about a concept or a, a quote that I always will remember, uh, for the rest of my life about my father, which is he would always say, just follow your North. And that was a phrase he would say in the context of any sort of situation where I had any doubt or I would be, you know, even celebrating. And he would always kind of say, you know, just keep following your North, you know, keep, keep being on that path that you're doing. Uh, and the last time we talked, I also mentioned how things will just work out, right? You know, even if you're in the trenches and you're going through something really hard, when you have that moment where you may not truly understand how things will work out, you just have to believe in what it is that you are doing is the right thing. Uh, I can only put it as simple as that because we don't know what's going to be down the line, right? We're going to have challenges, detours, but Actually, a friend of ours, Jason, uh, his name is CJ. He actually used this 
um, example. And if you don't know CJ, you should yeah. take a look at a metal motivation. Yeah. He's such a great dude, but well, he will always say this in some of our meetings, <clears throat> you're driving from the East coast to the West coast. It's night. It's dark out. You don't see anything except the road that's in front of you. And you'll see certain, you know, signs getting to California and, but you don't need to see everything from where you are right now to California. You just need to see just what's in front of you. Right. And that always uh, stuck with me too. And the concept of following your North and just trusting in the path that you're going, that it will get to the destination. That's really all that you need. <laughs> just do what it is that you feel is right. Because at the end of the day, you still need to live with yourself. Right. Yeah. So if you're doing what it is that you feel is right, trust that it will work. That's a good one. I, I, I'll follow that up with, uh, with a quote I got from a friend of mine, uh, from way back, I was going through a bit of a challenging time in life. This is 20 plus years ago. And, uh, and I was just reminiscing about my past mistakes, you know, and I just couldn't, I couldn't see a way out. And, uh, he said, Jason, there's a reason why your windshield is so much bigger than your rear view mirror. And that is something that has just stuck with me. Just like what you just one. said, it, it, it is so powerful and I and I've I've given this concept to friends of mine as they've gone through hard times. I've paid that forward in a sense because it really has helped shape my life. Um, I, you know, can I? I don't know if you've ever done this, and, and maybe a lot of you listening, you know, just you can be the world's best at beating the living crap out of yourself for your past mistakes and living in those mistakes, living in those consequences and sometimes maybe maybe those mistakes are, are way way back but you still live them you're still like well if I, if I just did things differently life would be better now but i always revert back to that quote but there's a reason why your windshield is so much bigger than your rearview mirror and to cj's point and to what you're talking about following your north we need to be spending time looking directly in front of us right now and, and, and what's ahead of us right because right. that's where we're going. We need to be paying paying attention to that. Otherwise, you're going to get sidetracked. And if you're if you're looking in your rearview mirror the whole time, well, you're probably going to crash. Okay, so that's not a good thing. Yeah, I'm, I I I want to reiterate something that we at Metal Mastermind here, uh, what we do, it's it's not just selling courses, and it's not just you know making a business out of metal musicians. What we do is also provide a community for people that we have like-minded interests and part of that is to help us stay on the path that we're on you have to be really really ferociously defendant of the people that are in your life and because if you don't filter that it will lead you astray the, I think the thing that derives, or, or I would say dis distracts most people from what they're trying to do in life is just who they hang around. Uh, it's such a powerful thing in our existence to be able to socialize and be around certain folks. And if those folks are not 
adding to your life in a positive way, that's always going to be a deterrent to your end goal. And you're always going to be fighting resistance. So, and last time we talked, we were talking about how we're, you know, mentally trying to be really tough about things, right? And safeguarding what's sacred. You have to be able to do that and still be also uh, open uh, to, to, to what's, what's to come, right? You can't be so defended that you're secluded uh, and you have only yourself to rely on. Now, some people have made it that way, not saying that that's not a way to go, but I don't think it's the most healthiest way to go either. Uh, I don't either. No. You have to, you have, I, I, you know, we here at Metal Mastermind, you know, like Jason and I, we are not loners here. We have built a community with other people. I mean, take a look at Alfred Potter, Nick Z, yeah. Elizabeth to Davis. We, we got team members uh, that are part of this mission and shout out to our moderator, Emily. We are Emily all here. Tremendous help. Yeah. We are all here to work at making our lives enriched through the concept and power of metal. That's what we can relate to. And having that sort of community behind you that's supportive, right? Because we understand each other as musicians. Nobody in Metal Mastermind is going to say, don't do that because you're going you're gonna to fail. <laughs> uh, no, we're talking about people who are like-minded, people who are on the same path. And when you have that behind you you're going to be able to you know when you're struggling in life you're going to be able to lean on them and you know we we've been through it too yeah. it's super important to 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 keep people in your corner that truly believe in what you're trying to do super important and to shun those people and maybe cut those people off or spend less time with the people that could be detouring it uh you know yeah. we're, we're talking about things we've learned from our mentors um and there's another another saying that i got from my fifth grade teacher her name was miss rogers uh of course i never kept in contact i do but i just remember this powerful quote uh, i grew up in a small town kind of you know pensacola florida really the outskirts place called uh, molino and cantonment that kind of cross borders <laughs> way on the boondocks and sort of a bible belt mentality uh and you know i'm, I'm not going to get into all that but i didn't understand why she didn't go to church we were talking about going to church and and she said jason i don't go to church and i said miss rogers it was kind of weird to me because i thought that everybody went i mean this is fifth grade and of course i was a bit naive kid <laughs> and she's like no i don't go i'm like well why is that she said jason different strokes for different folks and dude i have to this day that that's just in the front of my brain it's like right there and what I get from that, and we've talked about this a lot, Ken, and we, we just touched on it now, you know, following your north, right? Not someone yeah. else's north or not not the north that someone thinks that you should be following. Uh, different strokes for different folks. You know, it, we, we can get into subgenres of metal and, and genres in general. You know, what you're writing right now, what you're playing, what you like to listen to. 
you need to let that be organic and you need to let that be truly within you and not what someone else says that you should be playing or should be writing or, or a style that you should uh, adhere to. You have to follow your North different strokes, different strokes for you uh, than for someone else. So yeah. that's always just stuck in my head, man. And realize that the path will not always be obvious. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. The, uh, uh, I remember when I was in high school trying to uh, apply for college and uh, I was sitting on the stoop with my father and uh, it was night out and he was smoking a cigar and I was just kind of chilling out there with him, you know, just talking. And I remember uh, I was so dead set, man, I was so dead set on going to Berkeley College of Music. I was... <laughs> I actually, to the point I remember in high school, because in high school, I got some pretty serious senioritis. <laughs> and I remember that towards the end, my uh, my grades were starting to get a little bit wonky. And I was like, OK, not really pulling my way here at the end of high school. And I remember I actually didn't get into any colleges except um, a community college. And I was applying for Berkeley and I got in and Berkeley. Dude. was kind of the only school that I was banking on. Um, so I was like, all right, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I remember going to Boston and doing my audition and being really excited about it. I rehearsed my, my audition performance for months and I was learning how to really read music and all this stuff. And Dude. I remember when I got the acceptance letter and I felt so proud of myself, but then I looked at the bill of what it was going to cost. And I had no scholarship. It was $30,000 for one semester. And my Dude, parents are like, semester. yeah, they were like, you're not going. You're, you're not going. It's, it's like, I was like, but, but like, I got in, I gotta, I gotta go. And there was like, you can't afford that. <laughs> like, because they couldn't. And they're like, we are sure as hell not going to let you take out a private loan. No. $30,000 a semester. Not only that, but that doesn't even include like room and board and all this kind of stuff. Dude. So my heart was broken on that. I remember that feeling so, so vividly. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try again. And I was going to a community college in the meantime. And I actually, uh, my, 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 my mother actually like begged the community college that I initially got into to transfer over to a different community college that was closer to me. Hmm. Um, and she was just like, can you please <laughs> get Ken into this community college instead? And they made it happen. And I remember going in there and my mind was totally like, I'm just doing this community college this semester just to, you know, reapply for Berkeley again. Like I wasn't taking it serious at all. And I ended up, I remember that in that community college, I was like, okay, because I wanted to go for Berkeley for, for drums, period. I was like, that's what I'm doing, doing drums. But I went to that community college temporarily for music production. And I was like, you know, because I was Man. like, I'm not, I'm not going to learn, you know, how to be a great drummer at this community college, right? It's like <laughs> spoiled brat in a sense. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to, do this instead, learn a different skill while I do Berkeley. 
So I go and I audition for Berkeley again and I get in again, still not the same scholarship money. I'm like, damn it. You know, maybe I got like a thousand dollars of a scholarship and that was it. It was just like, it's not enough. Clearly it wasn't enough. Um, and after that attempt, um, my father was like, why do you want to go to Boston? So you're in New York city. <laughs> Man. It's like, this is a Mecca for music. Why do you want to go all the way there? Everything is right here. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, and that's like, he's just like, don't let the name get to you. It, it's all what's in you. You have every inch of power to make whatever name for yourself at Berkeley right here. <laughs> That's powerful, and Ken. That's very powerful, dude. It was. And I remember getting my first gig with this community college, by the way. And it was my professor. It was my professor's name was Robert Anderson. And Robert Anderson loved classical music. He would that's what he would record old pieces from like the Renaissance era all the way to Baroque and you know modern classical and stuff like that and he would record in churches all the time and I remember just tagging along with him and learning how to record orchestral music and that was the start of a deep 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 love for just doing music production and that obviously segued into me continuing my education here in New York, going into city college and pursuing that. And I, I did six years of college learning audio production because I didn't get into Berkeley. Well, I got in, but I didn't go. Right. So you didn't go. Yeah. That 30 grand <laughs> price tag, dude. And Hey, you don't need any uh, reverb plugins. If you're recording in churches, right? You've got the you organic don't. reverb. You definitely don't. Um, oh, man. But if I, here's the thing, right? Here's something that I want you to really think about. If I went to Berkeley, I would have never made Homeric. Would have uh, never made it. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have. And, you know, and I don't want to knock college in general. I've got degrees. But, you know, just because you go to Berkeley for guitar or drums or whatever, will you become a better drummer slash guitarist or whatever? I'm, I'm sure you will, but do you absolutely have to have that to become a great musician? Uh, and I, again, I'm not knocking it, right? But I'm just going to say no. Uh, a lot of the great musicians out there, some did go to school, some went there, some didn't. So I think that your dad's point in saying, well, you're in the Mecca right here in New York, right? You guys are in New York City. So you've got access to all these people and producers and bands and, and music producers and such. So yeah, I think that's powerful. Like you said, Ken, I think sometimes uh, that prestigious name or just having that piece of paper. Look, I, I've got an MBA. I've got a master's in business administration. I've got an undergrad in business management. But everything I learned to do what I do right now, what you and I are doing, Ken, you know, we both, you know, we're both full time musicians. I, I don't go to a regular job. I didn't learn any of that in my MBA program. I don't want to say it was complete waste. Uh, but if I could trade the money back in, I, I certainly would. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't even put that behind my name when I sign my name. Uh, I learned everything I needed to know 
partially in, in our course that we took together, you know, Leah's, uh, we were the first generation elite uh, savvy students, uh, the elite savvy musician students. Uh, Leah McHenry's course learned a lot from CJ. And I took some other online courses that were catered to internet marketing and just marketing products and that sort of thing. Uh, I didn't learn a lot of that stuff in MBA program. I learned it all after. So, and again, guys, I'm not knocking college. I'm not saying go or don't go. Um, you know, if, if you were to sit down and ask me that question one-on-one, I'd probably tell you, I don't bother. <laughs> go, go for something very specific. But I, I just, you know, just because you have that prestigious title or that prestigious school doesn't automatically mean you're going to be successful. And, and, and to your point too, Ken, you may have not ever created Homeric because the things you experienced in going through music production uh, your music, and I've said this before, is very intricate. It's orchestrated. So you're absolutely right. You, you may have not even thought uh, of this, you know, this entity, I'll call it Homeric, right? Had, had yep. you gone to Berkeley. So it's powerful, man. Yeah. And like you said, too, different strokes for different folks, right? For me, going through a community college was what changed my life. Yeah. Um, Who would have thought, right? And it didn't necessarily have to matter that it didn't work for somebody else right it worked yeah. for me you you can only figure that out if you try it and that's all i'll really say some people college is great some people college isn't and it also matters what you decide to do with what you learn too so Very yes true. not i mean honestly like i didn't learn anything Think about you know marketing music while I was in college. I learned a little bit about the archaic music business, <laughs> but I didn't learn how to make Facebook ads or any of that kind of stuff that we use today as an independent musician because that just wasn't part of the curriculum. So these sorts of things that we have nowadays, you have to pick up and learn on your own. And to be honest, people romanticize the entrepreneurial thing, but it's, man, is it a pain in the ass or what? <laughs> it's just, it can be, it's work, dude. It, I mean, we, you know, we're, we're growing, we're expanding. Uh, you know, I, I walked away from my corporate job, uh, in January, 2020. Um, yeah, I'll tell the story real quick. I hit in 2019, I, I worked for a large financial good timing. investment. <laughs> yeah. Good timing. Right. <laughs> Uh, in, in 2019, I, I told my boss, I said, hey, I know we do layoffs because all, all big corporations do. They they rearrange things and see where they can cut, trim the fat and save money, whatever. Uh, of course, staff is, is one of the major, major cuts. And I said, if we do layoffs in our group, then I raised my hand. Please pick me. She's like, huh? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm out. So the, the following year, of course, cuts went through. They asked me again, it's like, are you sure about that? Because we are making cuts. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be saving someone else's job. I I have to take that leap. And I didn't really have an, a solid income at the time. I, you know, I was making what I made from, you know, my album, Spotify, iTunes, all those places, a few CD sales and some merch sales here and there. Uh, but Ken, at that time I left my corporate job, I was, I was maybe pulling in 500, sometimes a grand a month. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, sometimes you got to put your back against the wall and you will learn, you will find the resources, you know, without even anyone telling you where those resources are, 
you will find a way to make it when, you know, and I'm not saying guys quit your job or anything like that. It's just something that I had to do. I knew that if I didn't take the chance then that uh, I didn't want to be 80 or 90 years old, looking back thinking, man, I wish I had taken that chance. What would have happened? Well, I don't, I don't have to have that regret now because I, right. I love that I took that chance. And I love that I met Ken in that marketing course. And then we just connected and decided to start metal mastermind one day. Didn't, didn't really have a clear vision. We're just going to like, Hey, let's just do a YouTube channel. And it just, you know, it just organically grew into this cool thing because, you know, we're like-minded and uh, yeah, that, but that was that education I got through taking online courses, not traditional education and just you and I doing right. Uh, I, I learned best by hands-on. You can give me a book and I can read it and okay, well, that's great. Uh, but if I'm not practicing, I, I'm never going to learn it. So I've got to jump in and do it, make some mistakes along the way. Right. Yep. And, and that's, that's the way I learned. So yeah, here we are, man. <laughs> and we met 2016. That's like seven years ago, man. Yeah. Yeah. So 16 a long time already. Like yep. And we had very, very similar interests. And, you know, to your point of how you were talking about leaving your, your position, you know, in 2019, before the pandemic uh, kind of came into fruition, I was also in a position where I was challenged um, to make a decision that would forever change what I do today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I used to work on uh, broadcast audio like Good Morning America, and I would do, yeah, dude. I worked with a ton of artists all, all day, every day. But that. the that that time of my life, I was also working as a, a technician for uh, actually the college that I went to, which was Queensboro Community College. I was working as a technician for the, the music department, and there was a point in time where I had was given the the the, the notice that they were making cuts, and. I had a opportunity to work uh, where I work now, which is at SAE Institute as well as City College. But at this time, it was SAE. And my supervisor said, hey, I don't want to let you go because you're a really good tech. So he was just like, what we're going to do is we're going to split your hours with um, – the other technician that's on staff and uh, you know, you're not, you're going to have less hours and all that stuff. But, um, and I said, well, wait, hold on. How many hours am I going to come in? He was just like, I don't know, maybe like two, four hours a week. And each session would be like Ooh. two hours. I was like, it already takes me two hours just to get to work. Cause I would take public transportation. I live in the city. Oh, dude, so I was yeah. just like, and what's going to happen to, uh, the other tech and he was just like, well, she's probably going to lose her health insurance and stuff like that. I said, just let me go. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I, it doesn't, it doesn't benefit me to come in for yeah. only two hours and to travel more than I would have to be in there. And then to take away, you know, from somebody else that would be selfish and it, it wouldn't be worthwhile. So and, and it happened, this happened again, too, in a different situation, but 
during the pandemic, when everything went down, that was actually when um, when I left uh, ABC Good Morning America. Um, and I was pursuing doing teaching full time. And I said, you know, I, I want to be in a place where I truly feel like my value is, is worth uh, a higher, you know, cost, so to speak. Sure. Sure. Now, is there there anything that anyone said to you that kind of triggered you to make that decision? Like, is there, is there someone that, uh, or something that maybe you remembered that kind of pushed you? Yeah. Well, you know, this was actually something that happened last year where I was asked to come back. It took two years (laughs) for them to call back some of their crew. I remember ABC. And I said, um, Hey man, I like, I've moved on. It's like, yeah. uh, no, I'm not interested. I actually prefer to, like, I want, I value my sleep now. Because in this industry of being an audio engineer, you know, people also romanticize that, hey, man, like, you're up all night, you're working on music and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, yeah, but do you realize the toll that it takes on your body when you do that? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're a free, you're like, for me, who was someone who was very used to freelancing a lot, and I'd have to take any gig that I would come my way. Yeah. Um, that was so difficult to manage because I would go to Good Morning America, and then right after Good Morning America, I'd have to work at this, you know, part-time college tech job, which sometimes I would fall asleep because at Good Morning America, I have to be there at 1 a.m. So mm-hmm. I'm working 1 a.m. all the way to like 10 having to get to, to work at like 11 30, 12 o'clock to then having a shift that ends around, you know, uh, three o'clock, four o'clock, uh, before they were making those cuts. And then I would have to, sometimes, sometimes I would have another gig after that. Yeah. I'm like, it's insane. It's insane. So I said, you know, one of the things that I learned about the pandemic was my value of time and reaffirming, what was important to me, which was my music. And that at the end of the day, after all the experiences that I've been through in making my audio career, I realized that yes, I have the credentials. I have the skill set of an audio engineer, but at heart, I'm always an artist and I've always been. And that's something that I had to reaffirm and say, ABC, Good Morning America, love you, but no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that because you're going to take away my energy yeah. from doing what it is that I really want to do. And what's self-serving in all of this is I teach my students all about making art. <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, what your dad said came back full circle then, you know, oh, going back to like, sure. is, is there anything that, uh, that, that kind of pushed you to make this decision? And I, you know, and I would venture to, to guess that, you know, you kept hearing your dad's voice, follow your North, yeah. you know, talking about our, our mentors 100%. and quotes and that sort of thing. That's so that's, that's something that you felt, you know, was in your heart. It's like, okay, I, I've got an opportunity to make this jump and follow my North. My North is not this, right? right. So, so you're going to move forward with what you really want to do with your life, you know? And that's, that's really powerful, dude. Uh, sometimes you have to make that leap. You know, sometimes it's the leap into a seemingly unknown and unknown place, you know. Uh, but 
you got to take that chance. We only get one go around. And like I said, uh, I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, you know, the, the entrepreneur. And he'll say, if you want to see regret, go into a nursing home and you're yep. going to and talk to some of those people. They're going to be filled with, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have tried this or did this differently. And yeah, I, I don't want to have any of those, right? I, you, neither do you. I want to look back on life and like, you know what? I followed my North. I did, you know, what, what I felt like I was supposed to do with my life. I took those chances, even when it was a little bit uncomfortable. We jumped out there and we did it, you know. That's important, man. You gotta you gotta make a decision that some things just can't be compromised. Yeah. Some things in life that are that important, you can't back away from. And whatever is removing you from doing that specific thing, you gotta trim the fat. You gotta you gotta trim it off. You gotta cut it off and you gotta you have to simplify. <laughs> you yeah. have to make sure you remove resistance uh towards that goal. So, you know, honestly, ever since I did that, what came about? Oh, I was able to reorchestrate my entire album. I actually oh, reorchestrated the whole thing because I had more time to focus on that and yeah. make it the quality that I want to, it, you know, this is, this is a project that I've been working on for many, many years. And, you know, this particular album is already eight years in the making and oh, yeah. from its, from its first idea, I would, I would say. Um, and so, you know, when you think about these sorts of things, you're, you're thinking about, wow, that's a lot of time. And then you, 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 you take a step back and you're like, how many years do we have on this earth? And you're like, not that many. <laughs> no, see, I'm so, an old dude. I'm, I'm, I'm 47. So I'm thinking I, I probably got less, you know, but you're, I mean, we're limited on our time, you know, uh, no dude, you know, we're talking about mentors here. Is there, is there any other mentors and any, anything that was said to you that just has really resonated with you over the years? Oh yeah. Uh, it's speaking of a really important mentor to me is uh, Michael Romeo. Michael Symphony Romeo, X. Symphony X, dude. I uh, funny story about how I met Mike was um, I, I was touring uh, as a monitor engineer cool. for a band called The Cringe, <laughs> and they were kind of like this alternative rock type of thing. And we were touring with uh, Tesla. And, dude, I just uh, saw them in concert a couple of weeks ago, man, here in Tampa. So. Oh yeah, Troy Lucetta. Yeah. Love that guy. He's a he's a brother, man. He's so they, good. They still sound and I won't venture <laughs> off here, but they they I was very surprised they still sound uh just so clear, a lot of energy, and they, they just sounded great live. Put just put on a really good show. I'd never seen them live before, but yeah, they played the hard rock uh casino here in Tampa a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago. Really yeah, awesome Tesla is like super dope. They uh yeah. they they were like awesome people that at, at heart, they are fantastic fantastic folk um and i've also toured uh with extreme as well oh cool cool so i mean i met i met you know some pretty decent people in my life but on those tours i was working with uh, a guy his name is uh bill ahern he's the guitar tech and bill uh when i met him he was just like yeah no yeah i tour i i'm michael romeo's guitar tech from symphony x i was like what <laughs> first that was the first thing that came out of my mouth 
Um, and then, you know, I got to know the guy for several years because we would be working and touring and that's where we would always see each other. Um, and Bill, um, he loved Homeric. He loved the music that I was making. He was just like, dude, you got to show this to Mike. He would say this stuff. And, you know, eventually one day uh, he hooked it up and uh, I met Mike. And ever since I met Mike, uh, it was a memorable experience. And we still talk to this day. But Mike, a uh, very interesting guy, because he would tell me, well, one, he was, he's not a big fan of, of where the music industry has gone. That's one thing, uh, but many people aren't, especially <laughs> from that era, myself included. I'll just put it out there, that, but, which okay. I, I totally get too. but <laughs> Mike has a wealth of knowledge. And uh, if you didn't know, Mike basically wrote every song for Symphony X and he orchestrates everything. He's well, he's a he's a powerhouse of a producer and he listened to my music and he wasn't shy. He wasn't shy of saying what it needed. And um, <laughs> I remember uh, over the course of my development, well, one, it was because of him that I actually reorchestrated everything. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> I heard what you said. And I was like, I got to, okay, I got to no, no, redo what did, this What thing. did you say though? Tell us what, what did you say he, here? What stuck with you? Well, you know, he mentioned several points about, uh, frequency ranges and where instruments sit in comparison to others and how to balance everything that I was trying to create. One thing that I, uh, I'm very aware of what I do with my music is I put a lot <laughs> of instrumentation in my music, sometimes to a point where I know it's in there. Other people would never hear it because it's so right. cluttered. <laughs> but that's kind of part of my sound, right? I like this wall of sound, you know, call it Phil Spector production, but that's something that I always really loved hearing this big giant epic. Cause I love like boss battle music from video games and big orchestration. Yeah. Right. So that was my thing. But I remember how, when I was working on that orchestration, I was keeping in mind what Michael Romeo had said and how, for example, strings compete with guitars. So if they're playing the same thing, you're going to have a mess in your mix. So I had to figure out, okay, what are certain things about the strings that I have to deviate from? Um, and certain things like brass, uh, how much is too much because brass is very forward um percussion all these sorts of things and when i gave him my mix the new mix he was one he was just like one it's much better much better uh but then he was just like but something with your mixing is i don't know man it's uh it's not there yet and he was he was talking about you know like the drums you know, he was like listen to this that i made in my uh my solo album war of the worlds part one I listened to the War of the Worlds and I was talking to him about it. I said, and those drums, they sound freaking great. And I, I, I had this struggle that I was like, you know, but Mike, like, why, why should, like, why, why edit up the wazoo on my drums and stuff like that? Because I was like, I want to, I want to know, I want to let people know that I really played this thing. I don't want to be sure. too overprocessed and stuff like that. And he goes like, well, I'll tell you what, Ken, I was like, they sound organic, but 
they don't sound epic. I was like, what do you mean by that? And he just said, well, if you're going to go organic, they'll sound organic and they'll sound raw, yeah. but they won't sound epic. You know why? Because epic doesn't exist in reality. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? That actually makes perfect sense. I'm trying to create this. You know, I'm talking about boss battle music, right? So it's like, well, yeah. you think boss battle music, you know, big size orchestra, epic, something that is larger than life. And I was like, well, these drums or these guitars or this whole mix that I was doing, and I was trying to retain some element of, uh, you know, human performance, which there still is because it's all been performed. You played. Yeah, you actually played the drums. So, yeah, but sonically. I had to adapt into thinking about what I was actually trying to do right. and having to own up to that. My music doesn't have to be a reflection of reality. It can be surreal in order to create that world that I was, I was so desperately trying to create. So Mike really opened up my eyes as to what was important to address because what I was thinking about was not about the song. Yeah. I was thinking about me in that moment of, oh, I want to be, I want to be, you know, real and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. All right, man, enough about you. It's like, how about this thing? The thing that you're no, trying to serve. That's, that's perfect, man. And I think, you know, for, for our listeners, it really boils down to what is your project? Like, are you more of just kind of a raw rock and roll band? And that's what you do. And you want to be able to, you know, play the songs live night after night, you know, close to the record, right? So you may right. you may go for more of a raw sound. In your case, Ken, you're talking about orchestration. I don't know that just raw drums would complement all of these orchestrations and, and different textures of and layers of music that you have in there. The raw drums would might be the weakest link. And might bring everything yeah. kind of down. Whereas if now we're talking about, okay, well, I'm going to add some effects to these drums, kind of like you did in our song. Uh, guys, if you haven't listened to the Metal Mastermind song, look up Metal Mastermind. Of course, our podcast is on Spotify and all those places, but also look up Metal Mastermind, our song called You Are Your Master. Um, in that first little break, you add this really cool reverb effect to that kick or a tom or something. I can't remember what it was, but it's like, and it's like just really epic sounding. Yeah. Oh, you giant play. percussion. Yeah. Yeah. And you played that kick. I mean, that was, you know, that was, that was your drumming, but you added that effect right in the studio mm -hmm. there uh, because it was called for and it made the song that much more powerful. So uh, that's, you know, that's what we're talking about here is, you know, gauging what you do, kind of taking your ego out of the equation is what, what's best for the song? What's best for my project here? Yeah. That's and good, I want to, I want to tag on to what you're saying here too, because there's a, there's a very well renowned producer by the name of Rick Rubin. You've probably okay. heard of him. Yeah. I've heard um, of him. Rick Rubin's very kooky guy though. He's not your typical producer, but there's a good reason why people like Rick Rubin. And I, uh, was watching this interview recently. I think it was with uh, Anderson Cooper. And he was talking about, um, he was like, well, don't you like, uh, this is Anderson talking. He's like, don't you know uh, how to work a console? And right. Isn't that part of your job? And he was like, no, I don't know a thing 
about compressors or EQs or things like that. He was like, <laughs> how do you justify the price that you, you charge artists in order to do what you do? And he's like, I don't know, man, artists, they just like how I hear music. Hmm. <laughs> I said, oh, interesting. Cause now I'm thinking I'm, and he was explaining. He will sit on the floor or he'll even lie down on the floor as the music's being played. And all he's got is his eyes closed and he's just listening. He's just listening. And he's feeling vibes. Right? And he's mm -hmm. trying to interpret the vibes in order to get the best take possible for what that song is trying to do. Right. So he's listening to music and that's his focus. So back to what we've been talking about here and everything that I've heard about, you know, Michael Romeo and sometimes, sometimes it's those things that we get hung up on, like the little details that sometimes we forget the bigger picture, Yeah, the true. song, what, what matters is the song and how it resonates with people. So at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter what EQ, what compressor, you know, what your tone for the guitar is. It's all got to fit into the same thing to make the song come to life. So that's what you really have to listen for. And man, that's what I love about Rick Rubin and, and some of these other types of producers who have been in the industry for a long time, because that, that kind of wisdom of understanding what you're what you're doing and what hat do you have on? You, you can't teach that you have to, you have to be in it. You have to really just do it. Yeah. It's a momentary thing. Um, and it can be fleeting, right? It could leave at a moment's notice if you're not tapped into that. And last podcast, we were talk, talking about tapping into those inspirational uh, I guess, uh, sort of beta waves and alpha waves and theta and delta waves and all these sorts of things on how your your mind works. I think there's some truth to how, I mean, Rick Rubin looks like he meditates all day, every day. So it's probably something that he's always doing. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. why he has his eyes closed. That He's, he's almost in the in a, delta state the whole time, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's almost like putting his mind at rest to a point where he can tap into delta and theta waves. Maybe that's a, the, the science behind it. I don't know. I, I would believe that. Yeah, I, I'd buy that. But it's interesting. You know, this is a really interesting topic too, man, because we, we kind of get into what we want to talk about towards the end of what's holding you back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're talking about compressors and all this, that, and the other, you know, and this is kind of where the balance or the line from education to just real world experience kind of crosses over. You can go to school and learn what knobs to, you know, to, to turn and where to turn them. But you also, you have to know that, right? But you have to also be able to sit down and just listen. And yep. what is truly sounding good? What, what are you hearing? Like, you know, when Michael Romeo listened to your initial mixes, he was hearing something different. He's like, okay, something's missing. I hear something else that should be here, but it's not, right? These frequencies clash with one another. Uh, the drums, I'm, I'm, what I should be hearing is this because I'm looking for it because that would fit the music, but it's not there. Uh, so 
those kind of things, because you took that advice, you went with it, a lot of musicians would let that hold them back. They'd, they'd be like, well, well, I did it this way. And, you know, there's there, there's another balance between what we talked about in the last podcast about your sacred moment, like the things that are sacred to you, the things you're unwilling to compromise on. Well, there's the other balance, though, or the other side of that, uh, the wisdom that you may gain from someone else that has more experience. Say, hey, it's great, but if you did this, it would be even more grand, right? So there's that balance that we have to work out. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, are there things like that, like our ego? Because <laughs> uh, mine gets in the way sometimes, I'll be honest, especially when it comes to my own music. Uh, it's a sacred place for us all. But, you know, you have to ask yourself, what's holding you back from from moving forward and making something great, making something better? Well said. Yeah, you have to uh, assess your inner circle first uh, to make sure that the information that you're receiving is something that's going to really help you. Um, right. One of the things that I love about being a teacher is that everyone that's around me who also teaches has more experience than me. <laughs> that's pretty because, awesome. You know, that's pretty you know, because my, my friends now are, are instructors and they are very experienced at what they do and they have jobs outside of doing what they teach and that's their livelihood and it feeds into everything that they're doing and all this wisdom that they've learned too is way more enriching in my life than just hanging around with a couple of dudes who like to smoke all day you know so that was very apparent to me that leveling up yourself means leveling up with people who are around you that one seek to help you yeah. Two, they have more knowledge of what it is that you want to learn. So if that's Michael Romeo, you want to get better at orchestration, you want to get better at guitar, you want to, you want to be around an audio engineer who's been working at this for, you know, decades. Like these are the type of people you want to be around, but don't forget that they have to be interested in helping you because I've they been really in, do, yeah. I've been in situations where I've I've worked for engineers who have uh, a ton of experience, had no interest in helping me though, really didn't. Um, You're not going to get anything from them, you know. Yeah, and they they kind of like to gatekeep a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, we don't. I had, you, dude. <laughs> I had, dude. I had to. Uh, this was actually the thing that got me Good Morning America. I had to say, you know, screw you to this yeah. one uh, engineer I was working for uh, because he just didn't think I deserved the credit that I actually did on that gig. Yeah. I was working uh, a Newport Folk Festival. Lots of people on that show that we had Roger Waters, Regina Spector. Oh my God, it was like a big, big show. Um, and that show, I, I, I had to, I pulled my weight way more than I was hired for. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't a good outcome at the end. Um, Cause at that time I was already earning my own money doing what I was doing. And I decided that I was going to put that aside and, and work for this person because I felt that what I might learn from the experience was going to make me a better engineer. And uh, it definitely made me a better engineer, but uh, it wasn't worth the cost of my self-esteem. And that's why I had to walk away from that. 
Well, that, that brings learned. me to another quote, though, uh, by uh, John C. Maxwell, in talking about your this this person you work with. Uh, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here from John C. Maxwell. He, he's a Christian author, but he said, "Great leaders develop other great leaders." Yep. And when you're trying to, you know, be the lead person, but then you're kind of gatekeeping. Well, you're not. You're not developing other people. So that you're, you're a poor leader in that case, because again, great leaders, and I live by this man, they develop other great leaders. Uh, yep. The knowledge you and I have, we share it here on Metal Mastermind. We share it in our courses and uh, and we'll continue to do that as we learn things, guys, everybody listening right now, as we learn things, we will share them with you. Uh, we're not going to hold it to ourselves because we want to help you develop in whatever skill you're trying to raise, whether it be music production or guitar playing. And that's, that's why I don't do this by myself. That's why Ken doesn't do this by myself. It's also why we have other great people in metal mastermind so that we can give you that, right. We can give you that quality content. Uh, so yeah, that, that's another quote that stuck with me over the years is anytime I'm in a leadership position and I was in one at my corporate job before I left, uh, I really, you know, I really strive to uh, to develop the people that were reporting to me. I wanted them to rise up. You know, a lot of people yep. were afraid. This guy was probably afraid you'd do a better job, and then he'd be out of a job. But that's if you're truly great at what you do, that's that's not going to happen. You know, you know, and, and whether and whether or not people believe that or not, it's it's not right to uh, impress on others what you think their worth is right. You, That's exactly right. You have to understand that your worth means a whole lot more than what somebody else says it is. Yeah. You have to, that's a, that's a part of growing up in a way, honestly, man, you have the, you know, the reason why you got people in this world that don't give a crap <laughs> or, you know, some, they might actually do give a but what they don't allow other people to do is dictate what their worth is. And it may seem like they don't, but they really do. Um, and it's about what really matters to them. Um, you know, so that comes with time. And if you feel right now, let's, you know, you, maybe you're a young person or even somebody who's just trying to learn a new skill and you're older and you're thinking, okay, how can I get, better at this to a point where I feel confident that other people are going to believe what I'm putting out as good content. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky thing to overcome. And all I can say is just keep doing it. And, you know, in the beginning, yeah. Embrace the suck. <laughs> you have You'll to. get better. You'll yeah. get better. It'll get better over time. Most people don't, you know, they don't win their first or even 10th time. You know, even our business at Metal Mastermind, you know, we've had uncertainties. We've had challenges. We, we've had times where it just didn't seem like it was going anywhere. And, you know, you if you keep at something, you know, I, I'm a believer that you sort of force the universe to work in your favor to a certain degree. Right. Because you're pushing, you're pushing and you've decided that you're not giving up. Uh, you also have to be willing to take some advice. You know, you've got the, the parts that are sacred to you. It's like, okay, I know this part is not going to change. I'm sticking to my guns, but then be willing to take advice from other people that have more experience that, like you said, Ken, that are 
genuinely interested in you and that have good intentions. Like you don't want to just ask anybody, any smojo like, Hey, you know, give me some advice here, especially if they haven't been down that road. I had yeah. someone try to give me mixing advice on, on my masterpiece album. And they were telling me all the things I, I did wrong that sucked or whatever. Uh, and I'm thinking, I, and I look the person's name up. I'm like, okay, well, you're not a known producer or anything like that. So why, why would I take this advice? You know what I mean? So you got to be careful. I think who you listen to, make sure those people have the expertise, right. Or at least have been in there and are in the game doing it and, and that have good intentions towards you as well. That's why we call them mentors. That's why we call them mentors. Yeah. We've had, we've had, uh, <laughs> We've had, you know, some really good ones. I've had a lot of, we could talk about this for days, but I know we need to wrap up, but I've had some really, uh, really great mentors and I wouldn't be where I am. You know, Ken, you wouldn't be where you are without those mentors. Um, even, even Arnold Schwarzenegger, as much as he accomplished, he's like, I'm not a self-made man. You know, if it weren't for Joe Weider, having him come from Austria to America, you know, and helping him in the bodybuilding game. Uh, he wouldn't be where he is today, right? And whether you love him or not, doesn't matter. He he made a really great life for himself in bodybuilding, and they went on to movies. He also invested. So, but he admits, I, I'm not a self-made man. I took you know the opportunity and ran with it, and that's what you need to do. Uh, but you know, hey, it's okay to reach out to people for help as well, right? So. Just want to kind of throw that bug in there. And again, that's why, hey, that's why Ken and I are here. Whatever we can help you guys with, we're here. Okay. Yeah. And in addition to our courses, you guys should also be aware that uh, we also do uh, provide coaching services out there for you guys now. It's a new service that we yeah. put out on Mental Mastermind. Right now, we've got two coaches uh, from our instructors, uh, Nick Z and Elizabeth Davis. Nick Z is coaching on your mixing skills. So if you, need somebody to really like take a personal approach to yeah. how you're developing um, beyond what our courses can provide you. Uh, take a look into those. Um, I think it's, it's valuable information that can be personalized to you specifically. And, you know, especially if you're like a vocalist, a vocal coach is really important to have yeah, Elizabeth, your, Elizabeth is great at in that your too, back so. pocket. Yeah. Elizabeth, she knows a lot about vocal and she can really help you get where you need to go. So take a look into those things. We have at metalmastermind.com uh, slash coaching, if that's what you're interested in, or take a look at metalmastermind.com slash courses to check out our existing courses that are you know relatable to some of those coaching things. As you'll see, you'll find Metal Vocal Virtuoso as Elizabeth's course and Metal Producer Overlord Mixing Series as Nick Z's course. Yep, those are all. So head over there, guys, metalmastermind.com. Thank you all for listening. And we do hope you're enjoying these podcasts. And guys, until next time, always remember to create your own sound.